Hey there, Unknown History listeners. I'm Doug Frazier, the host of a brand new podcast here on the Quick and Dirty Tips Network called Curious State, where offbeat questions lead to unforgettable answers. Why don't presidents get access to UFO information? When did the heart become home to emotions? Could we have domesticated a T-Rex? In this episode I'm about to share with you, we'll dive into the question, is the mafia really that violent? I hope you enjoy it, and if you do, you can find Curious State on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to Unknown History right now. Check out the episode description in your app for all the links. Without further ado, let's get curious. At six foot six, Lenny Montana was bigger than life. If you've seen The Godfather, you'd recognize him as Luca Brasi, the hitman. And Lenny just so happened to be one in real life. Before hitting Tinseltown, he held the role of enforcer for the infamous Colombo crime family. Apparently, while on the set of The Godfather, he shared a few stories of the old days, including how he'd dip a tampon in kerosene, tie it to the tail of a mouse, light it, then let the mouse free in a building. Or he'd light a candle and stick it in front of a cuckoo clock, so when the bird popped out... As an enforcer, Lenny's job was simple. Intimidate, assault, and murder as needed for the Colombo crime family. At the time, one of the five major families heading up organized crime in New York City. Probably the biggest part of what made the mafia the mafia in this country is violence. Um, the, the fear of violence, right? I mean, how do they get away with extorting a company? Why would a butcher or a baker in Queens in 1960s pay the mob 200 bucks a week in cash. Not to be nice, not because the mob does anything, but because of fear. And fear, of course, became the mob's most powerful weapon. Is that fear actually justified by frequent fat lips and broken legs? Or even worse, a cement overcoat, a, a hit, a contract, an Italian rope trick? You know, murder. <gasps> Is the mafia really as violent as they're made out to be? Or has fear gotten the best of us? I'm Doug Fraser, and this is Curious State. Fundamentally, there are two things that the mob cares about and wants to achieve. One is they want to make money. Two is they don't want to get pinched. They don't want to get arrested and thrown in jail. My name is Ellie Honig. I spent 14 years as a federal and state prosecutor. I now do a variety of things. I teach at Rutgers University. Um, I work for CNN as a senior legal analyst. I have written one book. I'm about to start working on my second one. I do podcasts. Ellie's most recent podcast is called Up Against the Mob, where he unveils inside stories of the modern day mafia. He's been involved in major cases like John Gotti Jr. and Ciro Perone of the Genovese crime family. But the real badge of honor is Ellie's nickname, Organized Crime's Worst Nightmare. If you need to know anything about the mafia and their history of violence, Ellie's your guy. I think I would sort of put it into three historic epics, if we, if we, if we can. The, the first is using fear to build up the mob, to build up its reputation, um, and, and that enabled the to commit a bunch of crimes. In the 80s and 90s, you got into the war phase where there were wars, where they were dropping each other, shooting each other, retribution across families. And that's been depicted in some of the movies that we've seen. To ensure a sense of order and authority, mafia families have rankings. At the bottom of the list of made guys are soldiers, which include enforcers like Lenny Montana. Then you've got the capo. 
who runs a crew, and that usually be 10, 15 or so soldiers and associates. Then the underboss and conciliary, and sitting pretty at the top of the ranks, is the boss. Orders to commit violence um, typically start at the top. Actually, under the rules of the mob, which are usually but not always followed, you cannot do a murder unless it is ordered by the boss, unless it is sanctioned by the boss. And in fact, if you do commit a murder without the boss's blessing, you can be killed. So the boss passes down the murder request to a capo or a soldier, and then that person has to sort out all the nitty-gritty details. Now, if this were a scene in a movie, it'd be the planning phase of a heist film. Except instead of a precious diamond, they're stealing, you know, uh, a life. Okay, what's my hit team going to look like? I need a shooter. Do I need a second shooter? Do I need someone to steal a van that we can use? Um, That's obviously from a specific case I did. Do I need a driver there? Do I need a getaway driver? Do I need what they call a crash car driver, which is in case the getaway car gets stopped by the cops or something, you have another car that just like crashes into a wall so the cops will go deal with that. Um, But, you know, that's the you know, the lower you are, generally speaking, the more of the hands on work you're going to end up doing and the more risk you're going to be at of getting caught. Being a boss has its benefits. But, yeah, those orders do come downhill. Violence, such as murder, has its benefits. And that's something I never thought I'd say. But the upside is you get rid of a problem and build your reputation. Now, the downside, however, is massive risk. First of all, it's the best way to draw heat, right? The thing that gets prosecutors like I was and the FBI most interested in you and dedicating the most resources and attention is to do a murder, right? And so they don't need that, right? So why does it make sense for them to kill somebody when they could just scare the crap out of them with a warning or maybe with a beating instead? Um, The other problem for the mob with murders is murders create murder charges, which create cooperators. Because of information that cooperators give to prosecutors, that leads to more charges. And what happened was, and I really caught sort of the tail end of this during my time as a prosecutor, is we had this whole string of cases in the Gambino family where it started with one charge murder, and two of the guys charged with that murder flipped, and they gave us a handful of more murders and more racketeering acts, and we just sort of had this mushrooming effect where we built um, murder case after murder case and racketeering case after racketeering case, and those guys flip because murder brings the possibility and federally really the likelihood of life in prison. And that is a very different ball game than saying, okay, we've charged him with extortion and loan sharking and he's looking at three to five years in prison. In recent years, the mafia is realizing that killing someone may be more trouble than it's worth. Because murder, it turns out, is bad for business. And now I think we've entered the modern era where they've realized that there's too much downside and not enough upside to murders. And by the way, I guess to to put it in sort of economic terms, there's there's not enough utility or, or marginal utility to committing uh, new new acts of violence. That's not exactly the way they phrase it, but um, they already have their reputation. People are already scared of them, scared enough of them that they're not going to defy them. So why start dropping bodies? So how does the mafia lurch away from a culture of violence? It may surprise you to hear, but the ultimate goal of the mafia is actually to go legit, relatively speaking. But what they want to be able to do nowadays is 
to take the money that they make through crimes and then somehow launder it or put it in an enterprise that they can at least put on the books and, and write off, right? Like, for example, if they if they manage to get an ownership stake in a business, an importation business, um, a lot of times they try to do it through strip clubs. And I know, you, you know, someone may think, well, a strip club is not legitimate. I mean, it is. It's legal. You can have a strip club, right? Um, so... That was the sort of ultimate goal. But it's hard to do that when you're also involved in murders at the same time. There's a bit of a tension there. In their pursuit of going legit, there's one word at the center of it all. Go f*** yourself. F*** you. F*** me. F*** you. No, not that word. The word is unions. What is the appeal for unions? Oh my goodness, it's a, it's a cash cow for them. So I did a case years ago um, where the Genovese family had taken over a bus driver's union, Local 1181, this is all public, uh, which was a Queens-based bus driver's union. And, and virtually all of their members are the people who drive your children, if you live in the boroughs of New York, to school every day. Um, it, not to say those drivers, there's anything, nothing wrong with them, but their union has been taken over, had been taken over by the Genovese family. What does the Genovese family get out of it? A lot of stuff. First of all, there's just literally millions and millions of dollars coming through the, the, the coffers every year that they skim, they pocket. Um, no-show jobs. They love no-show jobs. So what these mobsters would do, the president of the union was a guy named Sal Battaglia. Okay, we prosecuted him. We convicted him. Most mafia members have a nickname, and his nickname was Hot Dogs. And when the FBI agent arrested Sal Battaglia, they said to him, you know, you chit-chat a little bit. It's cordial enough. And they said, Why do, what's, what's with your nickname? Like, where'd that come from? And he went, I like to eat hot dogs. I was like, okay, all right, that explains it. <laughs> Sal Battaglia was the president of the union as well as a made man in the mafia. When the FBI pulled the union's employee list, they noticed something peculiar. There was like eight other Battaglias. Like he got jobs, and I'm using my hands here to make scare quotes, for his aunt and his nephew and his cousin and his brother. And one of them was listed as the, you know, whatever, director, I'm making this up, but, you know, director of finance for the union or the, you know, supervisor of this or that for the union. And none of them showed up. None of them did any work. None of them had any qualifications. But A, they'd give them a salary, 60, 70, 80 grand a year. B, they'd give them benefits through the union, right? So even mobsters need health and dental. So um, <laughs> it, it, it's useful that way. It, it's really one of the best things you can get into as the mob. And a lot of times you can then use a union if you get the right union to strong arm other people, right? If you control a union that has any sort of tie to construction, you can use that to shake down contractors. Um, in this case, they controlled the bus drivers union and then they use that to leverage their way into the New York City Department of Education. And they had certain officials there who they were bribing and paying off and they had in their pockets. We ended up prosecuting a few of them. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm doing a public service announcement here. If you're the mob, <laughs> go get a union. They know that. They don't need me to tell them, but a very lucrative business there for them. Yeah, it just seems like a bus driver's union, though, would be such small potatoes. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. This union had thousands. I, I want to say 14,000 members or 11,000 wow. members. Yeah, no, this is uh, right. This isn't just the wheels on the bus go round and round kind of stuff. Which brings us back to what the mafia at their very core really wants. Fundamentally, there are two things that the mob cares about and wants to achieve. One is they want to make money. Two is they don't want to get pinched. They don't want to get arrested and thrown in jail, right? And 
murders, let's take murders, really um, run against both of those goals, okay? One of the things about being with the mob or part of the mob is you don't really have to kill that many people to scare people, right? <laughs> they know of one or two maybe that you've done or they've heard of one or two or they've seen it on the news and, and that's plenty enough to scare people. Is the mafia really that violent? So it's a great question and, and the answer is not as much, not anymore. If I had to boil down the question of why is that the case to a one-word answer, it would be business. Just business. For the most part, they've traded in their piano wires and pistols for quote-unquote legitimacy via good old union and business extortion. Essentially, they've swapped actual violence with the fear of it. But if the mafia is counting on old tales of violence to continue lining their pockets with cash, they might be providing a path of power to other shadowy figures, the kind that won't hesitate to get their hands bloody. Is it possible that we're seeing the end of an era, the death of the Italian mafia? I wonder at what point people stop being afraid of them or start becoming more afraid of some of the rising criminal groups that I started to see towards the end of my time as a prosecutor, where you're seeing Albanian uh, mob, Russian mob, Chinese mob. I wonder if there comes a point where those mobs start becoming more feared than the old school Italian mob, and as a result, sort of start moving in on their business and taking more of their business away, their business of being extortion and and other fear-based enterprises. Hey, it's Doug again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Curious State. Just a reminder that you can find more episodes of Curious State over in our feed. Just search for Curious State on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. To learn more about Ellie Honig, check out his Up Against the Mob podcast. You can also pick up his new book, Hatchet Man, How Bill Barr Broke the Prosecutor's Code and Corrupted the Justice Department, everywhere books and audiobooks are sold. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email me at curious at quickanddirtytips.com. If you prefer talking over typing, leave me a voicemail at 757-541-8471. For more information about the show and where you can find us across the internet, check out our show notes or visit quickanddirtytips.com. Special thanks to the Quick and Dirty Tips team, Adam Cecil, our audience development and podcast manager, Morgan Christensen, podcast and advertising operations specialist, Emily Miller, assistant manager, Davina Tomlin, marketing and publicity assistant, and our trusty intern, Brendan Pika. Curious State is hosted and produced by me, Doug Frazier, for the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, which is a division of Macmillan Publishers. Until next time, stay curious. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.